Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of The Darius Show. As always, my name is Darius Cook, and on this show, this is what we do. I watch a show, I talk about that show, you listen, and you enjoy. For today, we're continuing our conversation of Money Heist. If you are a listener, you will have already seen my part one discussion that's already up on all platforms right now. And today, we're jumping right into part two with our review, recap, and discussion of the full season. I had a lot of fun watching this one, even more fun than I did watching season one, honestly. This one uh, ups the stakes in a large way, and it's definitely like the part two to season one in more ways than just in the name. But yeah, let's go ahead and get into it, guys. Uh, Stick around soon, because after this one, I'm going to immediately drop my part three discussion as well. So you can expect that soon if you're watching along with me. Let's keep this train rolling, choo-choo. And next week, check out part four. But yeah, that's it for now. Let's go ahead and roll the intro and bella ciao, bella ciao, bella ciao. It's the Darius Show, y'all already know. Drop your booty to the floor, come give me some more. It's the Darius Show. It's the Darius Show. So we pick up in part two exactly where we left off from in part one. And we're following Inspector Raquel as she closes in along with her police force on Toledo. Toledo being the home base operations for our team that when they were planning out the heist. That's where all of our flashbacks take place. That's where they bonded, got to know each other, and, and planned the entire thing. And, you know, we left off on that cliffhanger of them finally discovering their home base operations. The twister being that the professor is actually on site with everyone here as well. So the tensity is really high. It's a very tense moment. However, what we quickly get revealed is that the professor anticipated this happening as well. This guy sees everything coming. I don't know. This guy's got Byakugan 3000, but um, he's actually planted select evidence there that won't, that won't ruin their plans, but will give the police enough that they suspect, that they think that they got everything they need. It's kind of a, a red herring just pacing the evidence that the police already really know about. So that plays out, and Raquel actually picks up on this. I like the game that they have between them. It's kind of watching two geniuses play chess. Their relationship is very much so like like Light Yagami and L from Death Note. I believe I noted that same relationship in my first review. Go check it out now if you haven't already. But I like that although the professor is always one step ahead of her, it doesn't take her long to figure out the ploy that the professor was pulling. She's never tricked for too long, and she starts to combat that a little bit. Her team makes a little bit of progress when she calls in her ex-husband, who is the lead forensic officer on this team, and he ends up finding a little bit of evidence in the fireplace that the professor actually missed. So it's this that seems like it'll be his undoing. This They actually have a piece of hard, hard evidence against him. The ex-husband character ends up needing to go into Madrid anyways, so the professor asks to bum a ride off of him. And while they're driving together, he basically provokes the officer into fighting him about Raquel. And he's bringing up how he was abusive towards her and all this type of stuff. And this is very excusable under the guise that this is just Raquel's new boyfriend. So, of course, he's going to be agitated in this way. The police officer ends up forcing him to go (laughs) handicaps fist to fist outside. And he ends up getting his shit rocked by the professor. Again, this is another example to see how the professor, his value is just so high on this team. Not only is he the guy in the chair, he's running the whole show. He's got, he's the man with the plan. 
But when it comes out down to it in the real world, he can sneak around and he can he can take out officers who have real gun training and he completely neutralizes him in just a second. And just a second is all he needs to tamper with the evidence and make sure that that he doesn't have that on him anymore. He's he's definitely like 007, super Batman. The professor is awesome. And this season, they continue to let him grow and be that kind of physical threat, too. The professor ends up getting arrested by the by that gentleman, and he ends up beating himself with a bar of soap in the bathroom, so that way he has some battle scars to show that it wasn't uh, it wasn't just a random assault that he was actually beaten. This is definitely a th- uh, IQ three thousand move on the professor's part because when Raquel shows up to the scene, he's able to show these bruises and get a fierce officer on his side, really going to bat for him. That being said, it should be noted. That like in this moment, for example, and in countless others, the professor is crossing a line with Raquel. I love to believe their little love story and how it can triumph their opposing sides. But he, separate from the the role of inspector and professor, he really is manipulating her on like an emotional and personal level. So I don't know. Sometimes I think he is crossing the line a little bit and he's kind of in villain territory, especially when you think about the end of the first season when he almost killed her mother. So I don't know. The professor's kind of got, I've got my eye on him right now. He's starting to act a little sus, but I'm still with him. But he finds himself his himself out of that situation again. And the next battle we get to see from the from the professor and the inspector is such a good one. She is sure that she comes up with this plan where she's positive if they come up with the story that Angel is actually alive, that it'll it will surely bait the professor into showing up to the hospital to finish him off. Because at this point, she's able to deduce that he knows that. Angel is on to him, which he does know, but she doesn't actually know that he knows that. She just suspects it for a different reason. I know that's very convoluted, but stay with me here, guys. Uh, But either way, so uh, her team believes in her, and they decide to run this whole trap situation. And the, the idea that the professor comes up for this is very smart. But before we get into it, there is a small moment where the professor calls Berlin, and he actually refers to him as Andres, his real name. We've we have had this reveal already that they do refer to each other as their as their uh, first names instead of their code names. But at this point, they haven't revealed why exactly that is. What is the nature of the relationship between the professor and Berlin? And in this phone call, he's basically asking for advice. And what they're essentially doing is planning out a chess match together. And there is actually some visual metaphor that aids that description as well. But you're seeing that the professor does think of Berlin as a trusted confidant and a partner in this situation, a little bit more so than he does everyone else, which is just an interesting little clue to the big reveal we get about their characters at the end of the season. However, he Berlin suggests to him, if this guy knows your secret and he's waking up from this coma, you have to go neutralize that threat. It's essential. Berlin being the cold, the cold one of the crew for sure. Now, the professor does does think to do this, or at least check the status of it. Is this real or is this just a trap? And the way he does it is with a beautiful assault I am calling the clown assault. He essentially uh, p- puts a fake posting online where there's like a calling card for a bunch of clowns to come here for a big audition for some large lump sum of money. So 50 to 100 or so clowns show up to this hospital where he's easily able to disguise himself as a clown as well and infiltrate the hospital to confirm whether or not Angel was actually uh, back from his coma or not. This goes perfectly. He has thwarted the police once again, 
by by completely masking himself in this situation and it's just so fun watching the professor come up with all these creative solutions and just outwitting everyone it's some of the charm that i think is the lifeblood for the show at this point because i have already watched past season two and season two after that it really changes a lot i will say i still like where the show has gone and where it's evolved in the future from here but I am already a little nostalgic of these moments where you're just seeing the professor pull one over on the inspector and watching them dance. It is just a lot of what the charm of the show brings to the table at this point. Now, the unfortunate outcome of this situation is for the first time we see the professor really slip up in a way that he can't really come back from. And that's after the clown assault, he meets up with Raquel as in his personal form outside of the professor And him juggling between these two roles was bound to catch up to him eventually. In my mind, he's kind of like Icarus flying too close to the sun. On one hand, it is very advantageous of him to get close to her in the real life. And that's a solid justification for him to continue doing this dangerous thing, getting so close to her, even though he's the one that she's hunting. But I think what really happens is he's falling in love with her, which is putting himself in a position to be around her way more than he should for the safety of his role. And that's where the metaphor of him being like Kid Icarus comes into the fray. He's flying too close to the sun, so he's bound to get burned at some point. And that's exactly what happens. He has an orange strand of hair from his clown costume on his suit when he goes to meet up with her. And it's a little weird that this is what made Raquel realize what was going on. I mean, I feel like there was a lot of clues up to this point where she could have figured out that he was the professor. And it's not that I don't appreciate that she figured him out at this point in the story. I just wish that it was in a little bit more of a a cool way to show her intellect other than noticing one colored strain of hair. It's not the worst way to make the reveal happen, but with how much tension has been brought around this, I just wish that it was a little bit more of a, uh, let's say, like a Sherlock Holmes moment where you really get to see her value and how she puzzles it all together. At this point, she's basically one of the last people to know, and it kind of robs her of her cool factor just a little bit. But of course, this is the moment us, the audience, everyone has been waiting for, and Raquel finally realizes who the professor is. She keeps her cool in this moment, and it's, it is it is redeeming immediately for her to realize this, but play her cards close enough to her chest to where he doesn't quite realize that she's realized it yet. This is like 3D chess going on, honestly. I like the amount of layers that happen between these two characters while they're on opposing sides. And essentially, she ends up capturing him and trying to get information out of him. At this point, Raquel hasn't exactly turned him in yet. Uh, She wants to basically get more out of the situation before she does that. And she hasn't decided exactly how she's going to handle him, but she has him captured. So I'll put a pin in that as uh, I'm going to focus back on the characters a little bit and where the characters in the heist are finding themselves in the season. And then we'll circle back to that plot with the professor and the inspector for the conclusion. Meanwhile, back over at the Royal Mint, we're seeing Tokyo start to get really restless. And this is when aspects of her car- of her character really start to come into sharper focus for me. In season, excuse me, in part one, I actually found it a little draining and annoying how much of a loose cannon she can be at times, whereas other times she's just so competent and is very has has sharp focus, but then other times she's just kind of all over the place. I found that a little annoying about her character, 
But by part two, maybe it's just because I spent enough time with her character to just kind of understand that when things get high tense, she is not the type to just sit in the back. She's always going to be playing a vital role or just get into the action. She's just a bit of a hothead, I suppose. But uh, we see her essentially starting to take action against Berlin, and she is starting to, to, to not trust per- the professor because they're not getting contact from him. Obviously, we know why that is. He's not able to contact them at the moment, and he's very busy. But, of course, that leads to a lot of general unrest. And she starts to basically try to take over command from Berlin. Of course, her plan does go sideways. Berlin has Helsinki, or, you know, Helsinki does whatever the heck Berlin wants him to. And he, that's just like the ultimate henchman. So she, they're quickly able to neutralize her. And what they do is actually very cold here. I don't know how I feel about Berlin's character. They kind of they kind of make me really feel like he's an asshole, but then immediately always want to show me another side of him that feels redeeming and loyal or something like that. But in this moment, he's pretty terrible for just sending Tokyo off. The idea here being that she's become a liability, which isn't not true. And we see a lot of other moments where she's an extreme liability to the team, but it it still feels like a cool thing to do. And they just, they strap her to a bed and roll her out to the police. Essentially. They just throw her to the wolves and, she starts to get interrogated. Of course, this the professor predicts everything. Remember that. Anything that happens, the professor knows it was going to happen. And so she is prepared for this interrogation. And she she they've all thought about what would happen if they ended up in the situation. She she plays her cards close to the vest. She doesn't give out too much information. Um however, she she does have a moment of weakness where she lets slip the professor's first name. However, soon thereafter, she gets a message from the professor where he comes on the intercom and is like, so you must have Tokyo, huh? And kind of just shouts her out to let her know that he hasn't given up on her. He's still got her back. And, and it's in this moment that she feels reaffirmed. All she needed was a little bit of vocal reassurance from the professor to, to, keep, her on, to keep her going, really. So she gets arrested. She's getting sent off to some prison. And the professor makes good on his promise that if any of you were to get arrested, I will do everything in my power to have you freed. And he does. He has a group of Serbians out there uh, intersecting the police and freeing Tokyo. She's a free woman. Very awesome. I, I really like this jailbreak scene. I like the new characters they introduced there. They don't get much flesh out, but they they are just cool and they have a lot of swagger while they're on the screen. There's a lot of rhythm to that breakout scene. Tokyo definitely deserves her own spinoff where she's just a badass going on adventures and punching and shooting people and riding on motorcycles. She looked like an anime character on that motorcycle. It, it was awesome. But anyway, she doesn't really know what to do with this freedom. She doesn't know how to get into contact with the professor. He's not picking up. Again, we know why. And she just doesn't know where to go. She is a wanted fugitive. She's supposed to be in jail. She is free, quote unquote, but she's wanted and she doesn't have anywhere to go, really. Long story short, she ends up going back into the Royal Mint. I know, crazy. Now, I really enjoyed this scene where she drives into the Mint. The energy around it was super awesome and it was like an awesome car chase scene. And the way they coordinated it and had people covering for her as she rode back in was really cool. However, it's immediately undercut. Like, I'm like, wow, sick, what a badass. (laughs) But then it gets immediately undercut when Moscow gets shot. And this comes with our our next heartbreak in the season where another one of our heist members has officially fallen. And that this is an extreme blow. However, I want to point something out that's a little weird about this series is that when people die, 
they take forever to die. <laughs> he was like dying for like hours when he really should have been a lot quicker, at least as when I compare it to any other way I've seen media depict death. We'll, we'll definitely have more examples of that as we review the rest of the series of people just taking forever to die. But uh, this is the first example of that. And we get a, a lot of heart to hearts uh, with Moscow because of this. Everyone kind of gets their moment to reflect on their relationship with Moscow and the impact that he's had on them. But those are way less important in the grand scheme of things uh, as it compares to Denver's relationship with him. Obviously, this is his father and previous to his previous to the situation where he got shot at. They actually just had a heart to heart where Moscow revealed that their that Denver's father didn't leave them. Mother didn't leave them. Rather, she was a drug addict. And so Moscow made the decision to leave her along with Denver. Um this basically just feels like a betrayer, a betrayal to Denver. He's out. He's felt like his mom was this terrible person all along who had no regard for him. But in truth, it was more so the situation that that she had problems and Moscow maybe selfishly chose to remove himself from it. And he kind of feels like his life has been a lie. Totally reasonable way to react to the situation. However, it leads to a major heartbreak when in, in his final moments, he's, he's still holding on to this resentment until he lets it all go and he gets to see Moscow again in his final moments. It was, it was a lot of emotion, and, it, and I do think Denver is one of the actors that gets the most to play with in terms of the drama. We see him display a lot of emotion, and we continue to see that throughout the series. And this is just another shining moment for the actor to really, to really do his thing, and I think that Denver does kill it when it comes to the emotion. And the last thing I'll say about this situation was it definitely was Tokyo's fault that Moscow had to die. I don't know how worth mentioning that is, but I, I don't know. Tokyo kind of screws up a lot of stuff in this show. Just let it be noted. <laughs> Anyways, we take a quick uh, glance back over at the Inspector Raquel as when she returns back to the tent, it, it comes to her attention that everyone's kind of turned on her. And now all signals point to her actually being the one who betrayed the whole team here. Now, technically, at the point that they start accusing her, she does know that the professor her boyfriend, is her boyfriend. It's this person she's been seeing. However, she finds that out just a little too late, as at this point, it just all looks like she's been guilty. Because the professor has been so close to her, everything looks like she's just been aiding him. It would just be her word against them that she was the one getting manipulated, too. And at this point, she's already found it out and hasn't told anyone, so it looks extra suspicious. So... Her badge and gun gets ends up getting taken away, and then what we see is a, a new like vigilante version of the inspector, where she doesn't find herself on any team. She's not part of the police. She's not a part of Professor's team. She's just kind of the smoking gun where you don't know which way she's going to turn. Of course, the first thing she does is go relocate the professor to confront him again about this whole situation, but... What we what we don't know is which way she's going to turn at this point. And it's clear that the show is setting up a situation where she may join our team in the pursuit of love or she might still, you know, she to this point, we've seen she's a badass and she gets her job done. And I think it would be an equally valid route for her to take to do everything in her power to bring him to justice, because that would be true to her character. This whole concept is confirmed in the scene when we actually see Raquel visit, visiting Angel when he actually wakes up from his coma. And basically what she ends up, it's very short time that they have here before they get busted up. But the last thing that she says to him is, 
you know, he's asking her, why? Why are you, what's happening? Why are you turning on us? She says, I can't tell you this information because I don't know who the good guys or the bad guys are anymore. And one, the second I heard that, I knew she was coming to our side. <laughs> She's definitely making the switch. But yeah, I, I do think it, I don't dislike that her character made this switch and started turning towards our heist team. The one thing I dislike about it is that I don't feel, I don't feel like they properly did the work to convince her to get there. She didn't really seem to be sympathetic to their goals at any point leading up to this point. And I just feel like her, she was such a strong character doing her job. And again, I don't like that she ends up making that change. I don't dislike that for a character. It shows that she has many layers, but I just don't see why Raquel would have been convinced. Had she really just fallen under the spell of the professor that hard? I, that's the only reason I can really justify doing this is just in the pursuit of love. Other than that, I don't I don't seem fully convinced that she's really there for the class war point that they're trying to prove. That doesn't really ring true for me for her character. After this, what we really see is everything just spiraling into the climax of the series. As on one hand, we're making significant progress in the secret tunnel that our workers are digging to, to connect to their escape route. And it, there's just a little bit left to get through. Uh, meanwhile, the police officers are actually starting their attack on the Royal Mint. Their, things are getting real. And on one hand, we see, we, we see the tunnel essentially being finished. It's, you know, that, there's our escape route. But at the same time that this happened, the police are all busted in here. They've got their guns, their riot shields. And we find ourselves in a complete gun shootout between Rio and Tokyo and a bunch of police officers. I think Suarez is directly on the other side, who's our main police guy we kind of follow around with. But this was a crazy good action scene. I did have a lot of fun with it. At, at certain points, you are a little bit like, okay, this is a full-on SWAT team with full-on suits and equipment and full training. And then, on the other hand, we have Rio and Tokyo. <laughs> like, It's a little unbelievable that they're able to pull it off against them. But seeing Tokyo take charge in, in this battle scene, I'm ready for this actress to be the head of her own action like movie franchise. She, she strikes off screen, and she, I actually buy that she can pull this off even though the situation is just ridiculous. But they buy themselves just enough time to get a little bit more help from their gang, and they pretty much all manage to squeak, to just squeak by. Now, what we get is a final send-off moment for Berlin, as he essentially makes himself the sacrificial lamb to hold the line against all the police officers so the rest of our heist crew can make it out in time. And this, is, this definitely acts as a powerful moment, uh, Nairobi is kind of the heartstring of this scene as she is arguing with him. No, you're not going to do that, you dumbass. You're coming with us. Stop. Don't be. Don't be a hero. You know. And it's it's nice to see this from Nairobi, even when the last things that we've seen her character and Berlin character, th their interactions have been very negative this whole season. They've always been kind of on opposing sides, whether that be in micro in microtransactions where he's basically being misogynistic towards her or just demeaning towards her in general, or more recently when she actually took over command from him because he was getting too power hungry and she just needed to make sure what was right would happen, you know? We, we see her oppose him a lot, but it doesn't matter. You're on her team. She doesn't want to see any bloodshed, and she's very consistent with that regard, and she wants him to come. But, you know, he tries speaking sense into her. Helsinki gets in the mix as well. Uh, their relationship is one that really starts to blossom at the end of season two and certainly right into season three. But you see her finally accept it and then she moves on. 
And what this is punctuated with is another order from Berlin to Helsinki. And Helsinki takes orders. That's just how that man works. He's a really good henchman. And he basically forces Nairobi to get out of there. And that's what they do. And Berlin goes off with a in a glorious haze as he eats a lot of bullets, definitely does some damage himself on his way out. But he goes out in a in a blaze of glory, you know, protecting this plan that him and the professor had been working on this whole time. And and again, I don't know how to feel about Berlin's character. Sometimes he's like a terrible person. He's manipulative to the people around him. There's that weird relationship he has with that one uh, hostage, that that female that he kind of forces to stick with him. Again, I think that that's a, another thing that speaks very poorly to his character, especially when he drags her into the final gun battle that he has. Like, what is that? But at the same time, you, it shows that he really cares about his friends and really values their lives and for the most part wants to make sure that they make it out okay. I don't know. Dude's kind of crazy, and I don't know why the show won't just make him a bad guy. But with the end reveal being that he is brothers with the professor, it seems like a last-second chance to try to make him redeemable again and you know a little we'll talk more about season three shortly here but going into season three they give him so much attention even though he's already passed away that it's like the show wants you to consider him an angel it's very odd i don't know it's just an odd choice with him that being said he does get a cool send-off and i appreciate the way they took care of him so yeah all that's left is the the glorious re reunion between the professor and the rest of the heisters and they finally made it out. They don't have much time to celebrate. They have to, you know, make their escape and, and go go blend in with society and be rid of this whole situation. But one thing, it was a very emotional scene seeing, uh, I think Tokyo is the first one to see the professor. And the embrace, that, the embrace that he gives everyone was very powerful. And once he's finally together with them, that, that's his final piece of his puzzle. He's good to go now. Um, and so overall, it was a success Debatably, uh, it should be noted that on their team, they did lose. They have three casualties, Oslo, Moscow and Berlin. And in the grand scheme of things, well, we got like a 10 man team here and three of them died. That's a tough one. That is not a success, in my opinion. And at the end of the day, you lost three important lives in order to get this money to make a point to to get the money. Is that really what it's for? Or is it just for the excitement and the thrill of it? I don't know. They, I guess they all signed up and knew what they were getting into. But sometimes I really battle with the ethics of this show and the morality. And they, they like to say a lot is okay for the sake of what they're doing. But sometimes I bump against it just a little bit. But the plan did work out. I I did really like all I did really like all the twists and turns that this season had to offer. Again, I do think that it just works as a full on extension of part one. Part one and part two are just super connected, especially when we start talking about part three. It's clearly a very different story. I like part three. Don't get me wrong, but it's very disconnected. This part one and part two is as an opening and close story. And I really like how it finishes. At the very end, we get a tag scene where Raquel is going over. She's in hiding now because the police think that she completely turned on them, which she did, but she didn't completely do it. She did it like only 20%. Um, But so she's kind of in hiding and she ends up finding this message from the professor with some coordinates. She travels to them and there she goes. She finds the professor at long last and they're able to kind of finally unite away from all the bullshit and just have their relationship is a kind of big uh, implication there. We don't get to see where the rest of the characters go straight right away, but we do see the little cells that they've broken into. We see that Denver is with his new girl, Monica. 
Tokyo is with Rio, of course, and Helsinki and Nairobi uh, go spend time together as well. And the professor and and Raquel. So overall, everybody does get some version of a happy ending and to they do get to live out their success. So yeah, that's pretty much where I'll leave it for season two. We're going to transition to our season three talkings in just a second here. But my overall thoughts in season two, I really liked it. I maybe liked it a little bit less than season one, but that's because season two had a a harder job to deal with, which is wrapping up this entire heist rather than setting up the pieces for it. Another character I didn't talk too much on is Arturo, but we see him continue to to kind of be a resistance uh, in the heist, and he kind of is the voice of the people as they try to resist against the their captors. His character kind of flops for me in season one and season two, but in season three, where we pick up with him, it's a lot more interesting. But yeah, season two, Money Heist, part two. It's hard for me to imagine that the rest of the series will be able to accomplish what this part does because it, the rest will be compared to it and be in its shadow as it just like, you know, a failed attempt at trying to recapture it. But we'll, we'll see how close it comes in part three. So definitely stay tuned for that next episode to drop shortly after this one. And for now, my friends, bella ciao, bella ciao, bella ciao. I love you.